You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you. The DU Podcast with your host, Chris Jennings. Today I've got Dr. Mike Brazier, and I am going to be asking some hard-hitting questions from a duck hunter's perspective. It's early to mid-October. People are up in Canada Majority of the guys up there are field hunting right now, and I've, I've heard some guys doing pretty well, some guys kind of getting a little shaky, getting a little concerned. Um, but, you know, the main question that I have is just as someone who's, you know, fascinated with ducks, obviously, and geese, what exactly are the ducks doing up there right now? What it, what aspect of their life cycle are they in? Yeah, that's uh, this is a, an interesting time of year for, for ducks and for duck hunters, and it's... I guess within within the waterfowl ecology world, it's broadly defined as sort of the post-breeding period. We're sort of right right now. If we're talking late September, early October, we're in this uh, almost like a, a transition phase between post-breeding and, and migration, fall migration. And uh, it's one of the things that that I think we'll we'll, we'll try to convey as we go through a lot of these uh, these discussions is how. What waterfowl is doing at any one period of time is not independent of what they've just done, whatever kind of activity mm-hmm. they've just come out of and whatever activity or significant life cycle event they're about to go into are all connected. You know, what they're doing now is preparing them for what they're about to do next. And so here we find ourselves in this this post-breeding phase right before migration uh, some birds are already migrating, blue-winged teal. Some mm-hmm. of the early migrants, they're already winging their way, way south. Others are, are staging up at, at northern latitudes. And so I guess to frame this, to get, to get a, a, a folks a, a proper perspective on, on what we're talking about is let's assume for the sake of this discussion that they've already completed their wing molt. You know, okay. ducks, ducks will, will have already completed that. And so we're beyond that. Most of these ducks are, are already flighted. And, and one thing I just wanted to clarify there was we're um, – Mainly referencing the prairie pothole region, you know, ducks on the prairies. I don't think if I, I said that clearly, just to make make sure everyone knows that. Yep. Yeah, and, and so there's also other things like molt migrations that will ha- will have already occurred. We'll come back to that topic on another day. That's fascinating in itself. But right now we're in this sort of staging period prior to fall migration for most of those those species, and so. It's it's a pretty straightforward time of year for the ducks. They're doing a couple of things. Uh, and one of those, uh, at least for males, is they're replacing that drab basic plumage. Yeah. You know, as, as they go into that flightless mode, they drop that. all that, that bright plumage. And so right now those males are trying to uh, change out of that drab plumage and, and regain that, that bright alternate breeding plumage. And the reason they're doing that and trying to do it as quick as possible is because they want to get ready to to you know, court the female. That's going to be starting up pretty soon. But they're not doing that right now. Mm-hmm. They're preparing for that. 
And so, so that's one of the things that they're going through in order to do that. They need nutrients. They need proteins and things of that nature to replace those feathers. They also need energy to fuel that process. The other really important thing that they're doing is just preparing themselves for migration. And uh, we all know that these birds fly long, long distances, and that migratory flight is an energetically costly uh, activity. So that's really their one of their primary focuses is gaining enough fuel reserves, if you will, uh, to to fuel that uh, to fuel that migration. Their their number one goal is to eat right yep. now. Um, of course, they want to survive too, right? But, yeah. But they're eating. They're uh, they're seeking out uh, and using those those habitats that have an abundance of high energy foods and acquiring some proteins in the process. And the one thing to also keep in mind is when we look across waterfowl, we have to take into consideration all the different species mm-hmm. and how their feeding habits and their desired habitats differ. And like for some species, mallards, pintails, even widgeon to some extent. They're gonna they're gonna zero in on some of those grain fields. They're hitting and the, wheat, of, and the, barley, the, the wheat, the barley, the peas, barley, the peas. Yep, chickpeas, garbanzo mm-hmm. beans. You know, all those uh, field peas is another really, really uh, highly valued um, um, type up there. Food food item that they go after, and so you'll see them pouring into those. But there are also those species that that don't field feed so uh, so readily. They're what we might call our obligate wetland species: mm-hmm. the blue wing teal, the uh, green wing teal, to some extent, they're actually one of those species that will field feed, but they'll also um, take to wetlands quite a bit. But gadwall, shovelers, mm-hmm. and then, of course, your diving ducks as well. They're not really field. But they're all doing the same thing. They're seeking out those high-energy foods, those wetlands that provide or or uh, fields or dry fields that provide those high-energy foods. And it's this activity that we refer to, ornithologists refer to, as, and I guess just uh, ecologists in general, hyperphagia, you know, with hyper sort of meaning a sense of heightened and phagia is, is means to eat, you know, so hyperphagia, they're eating a lot. That's really what they're trying to do is acquire as many calories and nutrients as they can to complete that molt and then to pack on the fat so that they can, uh, they can make it south once they finally do start to, to migrate. It's just like the, uh, like you see on Twitter and Instagram when the fat bear syndrome, the, the fat bear time of year, September, you know, you see these big pictures of big fat bears who are just stockpiling food. It's the same exact same, process, same, con- exact right? okay. same concept. And it happens with fish as well. You know, as they're mm-hmm. about to go into winter, they need these fat stores to either uh, withstand the cold temperatures or fuel migration. And that's one thing that we've seen uh, through various studies is that as you go from October to December, body masses of various duck species, waterfowl species will increase demonstrating that they're packing on the fat in anticipation of that migration. So that's really what they're after. Interestingly, we can talk about this sometime later. Once they get to about December, there seems to be a decline in that body mass, and there's some sort of uh, evolutionarily or uh, some adaptation for that. Yeah. You know? And like I said, we can talk about that a little bit later on. on you got mentioned, episode. and I'll just go back to mention, like hunters who are up in Canada now, they're seeing – Huge flocks of mallards, pintails, like you said, maybe widgeon, um, even potentially green wings who are feeding in fields, um, geese, the same way. But then look in the other direction, there there could be big flocks of gadwalls. And they're, they're working the wetland, these little isolated wetlands or large wetlands um, where divers as well. Um, and that's kind of what people are seeing. This is the process. Now, you know, we've all seen these big flocks, but this is a good example for, you know, our listeners out there. Then they're looking at it, and they can recognize exactly what these ducks are doing. Exactly, and, and I think that's a good point. You know, just to point out that that when you're out there looking in big flocks of birds, 
that's what they're doing. Yep. And and that, and that's great. Now we did not touch on geese. Yep. Um, geese are probably doing the same exact thing. Geese just are a gonna little be, bit different. The, yeah, they are. They're going to be doing exactly the same thing, but they are going to be uh, much more. Um, much more attracted to those to those agricultural fields. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same thing. They're putting on putting on reserves, putting on fat reserves to fuel their their migration. And so that's, uh, uh, yeah. You want to be if you're if you're out hunting birds or uh, and this is pretty pretty uh, constant throughout the uh, throughout the non breeding period. You want to be where the birds uh, where the birds where the birds are where the birds want to be. And this time of year, especially, they want to be where the food is rich, where the food is energy dense. Whether we're talking gadwall, teal, geese, they're all kind of after the same thing. It's a lot of food, and so as they go through this through this this sort of pre migration phase, they're going to put on those fat reserves, and then we'll. Uh, a topic that another topic that we can talk about later on is kind of what happens right before they migrate. It's uh, it's a uh, it, it's termed Zugenruhe. It's a German word. It, it, mean, it means migratory restlessness. It's a phenomenon. It's pretty interesting, actually, how they discovered it, how they tested for it, and, and you know confirmed it experimentally. But it's this It's this phenomenon where birds get restless. They literally get really antsy and, and right before they're about to migrate. And, and we, can, we, we can dig into some of the details on that and, and what controls it and kind of what triggers the, the transition from this hyperphagia to Zugenrui. Yeah. And, then, and then the next step is... probably weather-related too as well. I mean, is that kind of offset or can it be... It's probably going to be related yeah. to that, you know, the, what stimulates it at mm-hmm. any particular point in time. I'm not certain on where the science is on that. We yeah. can look into that we'll, before we We'll have to we, do a completely separate show That's right. on That's Zugenrui. Right. But That's it, 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 it's a pretty fascinating concept. I've never actually witnessed... A group of birds mm-hmm. engaging in this kind of antsy, erratic, no, I shouldn't say erratic, but this sort of um, restless uh, yeah. behavior. But it's, uh, it's pretty, inter- pretty interesting. And, and so then if you observe that, then if they're not there the next day, well, they took off. Yeah. They, they migrated. Well, that's awesome. Well, I appreciate it. I hope everyone learned a lot, you know, about what they're seeing, people up on the prairies. Um, obviously, up down here. You know, we're, we're still waiting on them down here, but, uh, you know, now everyone knows exactly what they're seeing as far as the life cycle of birds um, and even some Zugenru in there. The Zugenru and, and hyperphagia. And so for those of us that are still down south waiting on the birds to migrate, we can engage in our own form of hyperphagia as we as we wait out the the, the hot summer. It feels like it's still summer, hot, the hot summer and fall days uh, in our own form of, of, of hyperphagia as we watching college football and NFL and whatever else might entertain it. I'm down with hyperphagia right now. I appreciate it, Mike. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit www.ducks.org slash DU Podcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com.